Any information on this podcast should not be construed as medical advice or treatment. I'm Marley. I'm Jana. I'm Victoria. And I'm Heather. And this is Studio Stories. Hi, welcome back to Studio Stories. So starting us off on Backstage Stories, we're going to start with a really crazy uh, one that happened last season, right? So Victoria's going to share about that. Yeah, so last year we had um, a pretty crazy thing happen that hopefully doesn't happen often and you guys would never have to experience, but... Last year, we went away to a competition, and all the girls, when um, they are changing, are in about two giant rooms. And so it's very quick, right? Because they go and change, they do a dance. It's pretty much all the um, dance companies. And there was this guy, and he was hanging around the room, and he was taking a picture. And then everyone kind of thought, okay, maybe he's taking a picture of his kid. And then I guess the parents asked him to, like, leave. Was this a random person or was this, like, a parent? Or? So people thought it was a parent, okay. but guys aren't allowed backstage, right? It's only supposed to be moms and then the girls. And there's a separate room for the boys. And so then, again, he came in and the parents asked him to leave. They're like, don't take pictures. Like, there's naked girls in here. And then he, like, snuck out and, like, left and was hiding And then so they told security, like, hey, there's this guy, he's taking pictures, like, can you get him? And then finally security found him, and then it turns out it was just, like, I think someone random just came in. How did he even get backstage? So here's here's the thing. The competition world, there's a lot of, we need to do a whole episode on this, but there's a lot of room for reform, change, policies, procedures, protection of the children. There's so much. I could go in on like a five-hour rant on that. But this particular competition was at a high school, and competitions are free to the public. Always have been. They don't ever charge or do any sort of like security checks. Like somebody could seriously come in with a weapon and no one would ever know because they don't even check your bags. They don't have security at competitions. Okay. So the security that they had there was just outside in the parking lot, and I think it was the venue security. It wasn't even the competition. Like that the high them. school right. security. Right, and they had two side doors. A lot of times the comps will have backstage open, like the loading docks will be open. So this guy was coming in through the side, right, and it was on like a major street. So anybody that was driving by could have seen this sign for dance competition and just walked right in and so i assume that's what happened yeah yeah wow it's just kind of scary when you think about like there's a bunch of little girls running around and that anybody can kind of be watching and looking well too the first time that it happened it shouldn't have happened And then if it were to happen again, that's when they should have said something and took it somewhere else instead of just waiting, be like, oh, he's probably taking a picture of his Yeah, it did take a while for the security people to finally, like, do something. My dad went out and yelled at him and basically chased him down. My parents come to, like, every competition. They're super supportive. And my dad is, like, total papa bear over all these kids at our studio right so one of the girls was like I'm uncomfortable and my dad knew before I knew because I was like running up and down the stairs like getting kids ready and girls running dances 
And my dad goes up to the announcer and he's like, you need to say something on the microphone. So the announcer is like, anybody who's here who doesn't have a child dancing is a creep and needs to leave now. Like the announcer was so irritated that eventually the competition actually called the cops and then the guy left. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's something that's not uncontrollable. Yeah, too. it's disgusting. Like yeah. you don't do that. Mm-hmm. So dance competitions. This is something like where I have had. Like I'm part of multiple group, like online, like chat rooms, right? Groups, Facebook groups, whatever. Oh yeah. For just like you bounce your ideas, whatever, right? So there's this. There's a few that I'm part of that I have actually posted some of my ideas, like, hey, let's do a m- more levels for competition, let's tighten up security, let's lessen the fees, you know, all these ideas I have. And people, it's interesting because my intentions are really good and they're to serve my clients, right, my students yeah. and their families and protect them. But a lot of the people that are on these chat rooms are in the business of making money. So they're not even concerned about, you know, the safety of children, making it affordable for families, making it fair. They don't care about that whatsoever. It's really, again, I could go on a a long tangent about this, but this situation is so unacceptable. This should have never happened. There should be security, checking bags. There should be wristbands involved. There should be a lot more checks and balances in the competition world. And yeah. I hope, I Especially hope for how much they're charging, mm-hmm. the like, competitions charge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, our families pay, like, a minimum of, like, $300 to a max of, like, 700 per yeah. comp. You know, it's there's room to pay for security. <laughs> you oh, know. absolutely. Well, I want to get more into, like, the kid aspect and kind of the anxiety that we've seen especially happen in our uh, dance studio. We've had a lot of kids come to us that are already pretty anxious. We're, I would say, like, as a studio, our instructors are really in tune and, like, educated on picking up on those tones. Mm-hmm. When someone comes in, we can kind of tell when a kid is in emotional distress, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's home stuff. Maybe it's just a personality thing. Maybe they're really type A and they are not getting a turn that day or something. Like, just different things. Um, The way we address that in general is through, like, connection, relationship, right? We find, like, as we go to these competitions, because we're so invested in the relationship, it kind of takes things to another level. Whereas I've seen other dance studios just go, just get it together, do your solo, straighten your leg, blah, blah, blah. And they're kind of like just barking demands at these children. And um, the way we approach that is so different. It's so new um, that it has like goods and bads, right? It has, it has um, pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the pros are working through those issues, those anxiety issues and creating them to be like stronger people, performers, individuals as a whole, then the con of that is that it takes a lot longer, it takes a lot more effort, and it takes someone like a mental health professional to kind of lead the way. So I want to introduce my mom. Um, She's here today with us to discuss, yeah, just further how we address mental health at the studio and what she does to lead us in that way. Oh, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Tell us about yourself. Uh, My name is Heather, and I am Marley's mom. 
Uh, I am a marriage family therapist here in town, and I have a private practice. Um, I'm also an instructor at one of the universities here, and I work with and teach uh, students to become marriage and family therapists. Uh, going back, I, my background actually is in dance. I, I was a dancer growing up my entire life. Uh, that is what I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to perform. I wanted to act and dance. And I actually did that for a while. Um, and then when I started my journey at university, I fell in love with psychology and mental health. Uh, during my master's program, my thesis I wrote um, focused on dance and movement therapy and how to marry kind of those two ideas together. So when Marley approached me with this idea of incorporating mental health into her dance studio, I thought, what a beautiful full circle, because now I can come back to the dance world again and kind of marry these two ideas um, in, in, you know, and bring them to life. That's awesome. So at the studio, I run what we're, what we're calling them self-esteem groups. They're not therapeutic groups. They are mostly psychoeducational. Um, they are support group in nature. So what, uh, for those of us that don't know, mm-hmm. right, what does psychoeducational mean? Oh, oh, good question. Okay. So psychoeducation is uh, basically um, information and education on uh, how the psyche and how, I guess you would say, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings um, impact your behavior, impact your well-being. So anything that's educational, right, that you're bringing to the person that you're working with, you're teaching them about their psychology, basically, their mind, their body, their spirit. Super cool. So you're running psychoeducational self-esteem groups with our students every other week. Sorry, go ahead. Continue. Yes. Yes. Um, I run them every other week, and we focus primarily on the educational aspect of, like, what is going on for them. What are they um, feeling in their bodies? What are they feeling in their spirit? What are they feeling in their emotions? Helping them understand them and connect with them and express them. So it is somewhat a support group in nature. So they support each other as they share. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah it's been it's been such a good experience for our kids, like long-term at first. It was hard to get everyone on board, but now having the program be, it's almost two years, right? And About is this welcome for all students at the studio or... Right now, the focus is primarily with our competition groups. And the reason for that is because these are the kids that are in these high-pressure situations, right? They have a high uh, pressure to perform. So it's kind of our way of checking in with them. Well, I'm not as involved. I'm not really involved with the mental health, but ours as in the studio, right? Um, Way of checking in with each student making sure that they are sort of like emotionally fed, I guess you could say, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, because we know that the program works. We know that the technique is there, 
the dances are good, the dancing is good, right? But then there's all these other pieces. So um, it's been really awesome um, in the in the short term and the long term, but specifically the long term as we've seen these kids develop. And one of the best examples I can give is we'll call her we'll call her Sarah. Oh, so yeah, Sarah has had. Um, some trauma, right? Can mm-hmm. I say that? Yeah. Yeah, so Sarah's had some trauma. Um, very sweet, hardworking student of mine and has been with me since before Adagio even started. So there's kind of a familial connection there as well, just from my family to her family. There's been like an investment from the beginning. I have a handful of kids who have been with me since the very start, and so we've kind of been keen to the different struggles that they have, right? So for this particular student, her struggle kind of was, you know, at a peak when everybody else seemed to be a little bit more level. So the focus was kind of on her for the first, I would say, first six months or so of the program. We were really, like, noticing with stu- with Sarah, right, the student, that um, she needed a lot of hand-holding at competition. She needed a lot of breath work, a lot of emotional support. Not only that, it was like for me as the coach, right, like removing myself from the mental health piece because I can't do all of the the pieces, right? Mm -hmm. My job is train you, get you on stage, make sure you know your dance, support you in that aspect. So my mom started coming to the competitions because I literally couldn't handle her on my own. And her mom was at a loss. Like, she didn't know what to do either. But she trusted us because there was a relationship that had already been built. So I'm just going to give my perspective of how things played out. And then you can kind of give us your mental health, you know, yes. tune. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. So we noticed with the student early on there was anxiety, right? Um, she would forget her dances. She would She would physically get ill. She would have to run off the stage to get sick. Some of the competitions thought that we were bringing sick, like we were bringing a sick kid because she got sick after every dance. Yeah. It was like a fight or flight, you know, serious reaction of anxiety to the point where her whole body was shaking. My, you know, I was concerned about her and I couldn't even like watch her dance because it would make me sick, right? So after a couple competitions, um, my mom started coming to sort of do like, work with her right breath work and different like meditation techniques from my understanding um so as she got worse it kind of started to make some of the other kids wor- I guess you could say worse right quote unquote worse she was trying to figure out how to regulate you know but couldn't get there and I didn't have the tools and Miss Victoria didn't have the tools yet to really know how to get there so that's when we really dove headfirst into this mental health like self-esteem group let's have someone there for support so my mom now comes to pretty much every competition and is helping regulate kids is that right yes absolutely so from my perspective it was we have sarah you know other students and other parents are seeing sarah as a problem child she's dramatic she's anxious she's making herself throw up she's blah 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 and 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 here's the worst part Sarah, I would say, is probably the most, if not one of the most, naturally gifted dancers I've ever worked with. And 
has the it factor of being able to go all the way. So me as a coach seeing this is just heartbreaking, right? So I was like, I got to do something for this kid. Like, how she has can a lot we... of pressure on herself. And, you know? and there's pressure from mom and dad as well. Naturally, you know, you, you see your kid as this star and then they're having these issues. It's hard to watch, right? So we talked, I talked with mom and I said, is it okay if my mom comes? At that point, Sarah's mom knew that my mom was a mental health professional. We hadn't quite started self-esteem groups yet. This was like the the inception of that whole thing. I think it was born out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Was yeah, it was you know the main thing was is that she would do amazing in the studio. You know, she would kill it and then she would get on stage and she would forget her dances. And then eventually the fear of forgetting her dances made her physically sick. And she would get, she would know her dances so well, and she'd perform them, and then she'd get about halfway through the dance, and she'd freeze, and then you could see her start to feel sick, and she would have to run off. And so then the other kids, anyways, it became this whole thing. So then my mom started coming, and I just want you to share your experience of, like, what it was like. Do you remember your first competition, like, coming in and stepping up as, like, I vaguely remember the like the I'm so terrible at remembering when you know back when you played soccer with your oh, sister yeah, yeah. like trying to remember the the soccer like the your dad can remember every single detail <laughs> I I can't I, I to answer that Jana I can't remember the exact competition uh-huh. I do want to say though when you were talking about Sarah um what the viewers can't or the listeners can't see is the tears in your eyes when you're talking about her. And that is something that I think sets Adagio apart because there is this love. I have tears in my eyes I know. thinking about it. There is this love for our kids, yeah. right? It is it is a very unique part of who we are. Yeah. Um, that is not something that you can manufacture. It's not something that you can just say, Oh, I'm gonna run a studio, and we're we're gonna run our studio this way. I see these um, posts and blogs, and uh, what are they? Um, like when you go online and you see, media, st- yeah. or, or you see the studios blurb about themselves, calling sure. themselves oh, yeah, Mind yeah. Body Spirit Studios. You can market yourself that way, but Adagio is really unique in that they live it, we live it, we walk it, and, and it's because we love our kids deeply. So going back to Sarah, um, I just wanted to note that because I was watching Marley's eyes well up as she was talking (laughs) about Sarah. And this was three years ago, right? This, This experience that we had with Sarah. And I guess for me as the mental health professional, um, sometimes it feels like you're a man on an island because not everybody is on board with the kind of work we do as therapists. Um, it, it the culture is still very much um, kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps yeah. and figure it out. Yeah. Um, and we know um, that the brain doesn't work that way. There, all the new brain science that we're we're learning is that people thrive off of connection. And so, being connected and supported and regulated through those times of um, anxious distress is paramount for these kids' brains to develop the way they need to to develop. And mm-hmm. so I think working with Sarah, I had this passion because I love her too. And I could see that talent. But for me, it was more 
uh, my heart was just broken for the distress that she was in. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I, I had to fight a lot of people, you know, in the studio that, no, she's not seeking attention. This is not an attention-seeking thing. Um, she is physically getting ill. I remember one at one competition, she made it through. She was at the point where she had, we'd had several competitions where I would go backstage I would, you know, help regulate her, get her to a place where she was. And regulation doesn't mean calm. We can talk about that another time. But helping her come to a place where she uh, was not in a state of fight flight so she could get on stage and perform. And um, we had had this plan, you know, where we had, after working with her through several competitions, um, we had this plan where Marley would be on one side of the stage and I would be on the other uh, so that at any point she could look at us, make eye contact, and know she wasn't alone on the stage and, and help her brain connect back to herself again. Um, and and Marley had worked with her on, uh, it's okay if you forget your dance, we do not care. Right, we, do, we just that piece of it too of like, you know, my, my expectation, I'm the kind of coach where it's like, I'll love you if you fail. I'll love you if you mm-hmm. win. There's really, mm-hmm. you know, just as long as you're proud of yourself, that's yes. what matters. So she's on, Sarah's on stage. She's had some success, but still really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marley and I are, you know, working through our plan here and hoping that she, we're, we're thinking she just needs some successes, right? <clears throat> and so she's on stage we can see she's powering through this dance. She's looked at Marley a couple times. She's exiting on my side of the stage. She finishes her dance. And halfway through with this kid, you can tell because she gets almost like a deer in the headlight look. Uh-huh. And you can see, oh, my gosh, she's going to get sick, right? So she finishes her dance successfully. She leaps off and collapses into my arms. And we're on stairs there's like five stairs that lead up to the stage and I'm standing yeah she collapses into my arms and and pukes over the back of my back poor thing and and I'm just I'm in tears she's in tears and um yeah that I I remember that vividly and thinking we need a little more than self-esteem groups for this kid which leads me to the other piece of what I do which is I'm qualified to assess and refer. So we have always, Marley and I have always talked about, okay, this is how far we go. I'm not providing psychotherapy for these kids. I'm not their therapist. It would be a conflict of interest. So the groups are um, purely psychoeducational but they're, uh, and support in nature. But we talked about if if for some reason these kids need more than what we can offer, then I would make a referral. I would talk to parents and say, I think we need to step this up. I think we need to get a little more intervention than what we're providing here at the studio. And that's the nice piece is that we can do that. And we have done it successfully with more than one kid. Yeah. How are Uh, they doing now? Sorry. So Sarah went from not being able to perform a solo to there was even times where me as the coach the first approach I took was let's try this again 
Let's see if we can have my mom come and kind of do some breathing exercises. Let's do some, you know, just regulation things. Didn't quite seem to be cutting it. So then I took the solo away, not as a punishment, as a protection. And they understood that. Mom and Sarah understood that and were okay with that. And let me tell you, she had the best rest of the season that year. She was not anxious. She had fun with her friends. She kind of re-sparked her love for dance. Then last year, did a solo, and she got through it. I mean, it was a lot of progress. And this was when she started her treatment, like, right? Right when she started her treatment. Yeah, and I was with her and... You, because it was at nationals, uh-huh. so we had to be in two different places because we were doing two di- different nationals, and you were coming along the way, but you weren't there yet, and she was so nervous because she always like she wanted Marley to be there. I never missed a solo. Yeah, you never mm-hmm. miss anybody solo. She's always there, and she was freaking out, and so me and Heather actually were there, mm-hmm. and it's. It's amazing to see, because I was also there, what, like, two years ago. Yeah, you know? you've been there the whole yeah. time. So yeah. to see Sarah, like, from the beginning, freaking out, not wanting to go on, to come last year and just rocking it. Yeah. And her friends being so proud of her, too. Oh. Victoria is kind of an unsung hero, I think, in this yeah. in this story, because... Victoria's natural, your natural ability to work with kids uh, and their emotional states, their emotional well-being is phenomenal. I mean, you are a natural. And I've watched you and actually learned from you myself. That means a lot. I've watched Victoria regulate kids just naturally, Mm -hmm. physically, um, with their bodies, and incorporated it myself. I even bought the anxiety brushes based off of what what I've watched Victoria do with the kids. Wow, that's so awesome. That they now use. They yeah. used it last week. I love it. With one of <laughs> well, our kids. And that's what I was going to bring up, too, is, like, so Sarah is one story that is just so, in, this is so indicative of, like, what we do and how we do it, right, in terms of, like, the mental health piece. Because um, she's pretty, like, physically healthy, and, you know, fantastic dancer. So we also have students who have other physical challenges um, like asthma or knee injuries or ankle injuries and things. Um, And sometimes that alone can trigger the anxiety piece, right? Um, So we have one student, Brooke, who Victoria has been literally amazing from this time, I didn't know what to do with this student because it was one of those things where I was scared. And so I was like, oh my gosh, how do I help this kid? I have never dealt with, actually a little bit have dealt with it because my brother has the same condition, but it wasn't in the same way. So being home and being 12 and understanding how to help your little brother, mm-hmm. you know, with, with his condition, that's one thing. But then being at work with kids and other kids are watching totally different so I remember um the first time it happened was after her solo the first time yeah yeah or no it was after give it to me uh oh the group dance yeah the hip-hop it was give it to me it was after so yeah so I want you to share if you can if you want to share (laughs) your experience um with that student with Brooke and like you know how that was and the strategies that we have now for her this is, was from the most recent recital, correct? Uh, this is from two, la- years. two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Competition. This is like what 
basically started the mental health, like kind of our experiences in the first Got few it. months of comp and why we, yeah, really started. Yeah, it was really with Sarah and Brooke. And I know I struggle a lot with anxiety and panic attacks. So I know a lot about that kind of like feeling of like not being able to catch your breath and kind of just this like almost dissociation. And so, um, after the dance, the hip-hop dance, when Brooke had her asthma attack, it kind of just, like, kind of went into that, like, mode of, like, needing to, like, protect her. And so it was just this, you know, idea of getting her to kind of slow down her breath and taking the kids away as well. Because a lot of times it can be really overwhelming if everyone's watching you yeah. and you have this pressure and, I mean, that's the same for, like, competition dances. You have this pressure of everyone's watching you. You feel like you have to do your best. You think as soon as you do one little mistake, you're done for. And that's, you know, that's all the time. And that's whether, like, as teachers for all of us, no matter how much we say, like, oh, you know, we love you. We don't care if you make mistakes. It's ingrained in their heads. And so I think with Brooke, it's especially because she's a teenager yeah that it's a it's a lot it's a lot to deal with yeah and she would have like at first people would freak out right Mm -hmm. like my initial reaction was like oh gosh this is stressful because when someone can't breathe you know that was rough yeah and there was also the responsibility piece of like bring your inhaler do you have your inhaler and sometimes she'd be like no and I'm like oh my gosh you have to have your inhaler you know so teaching the responsibility piece of like hey if you I had this conversation with her after one comp like if you have this you know issue right this condition this struggle then you need to set yourself up with the tools to succeed and so for you that's going to be having a soda right for the caffeine to help your breathing Mm -hmm. and then your your inhaler and you need to have your pre-inhaler for before you go on every single time and that cannot be that's a non-negotiable yeah so now we like literally check her bag and we're like where's the inhaler if she doesn't have the inhaler we will tell the competition that she can't go on yeah well and that's a good thing that you implemented i think because after you did that she was able to you know do that checklist and she calmed down and so when you know she couldn't breathe for a second she was coming off stage she already knew what to do Mm -hmm. and so it made it way less stressful for not just her but for all the kids Mm -hmm. yeah it's like practical so practical tools Mm -hmm. of like how can we help and train these kids like you know it's not always I don't want to say it's not always so deep in a bad way but it's not always so deep right like this was a kid that just needed somebody to, to sort of hold her hand through this process w- without being judgmental and just say like hey this is what you need to do we're here for you we love you you know take care of yourself and then you know the anxiety melted away the responsibility piece kind of came together all the other students knew immediately if Brooke was having an asthma attack if she didn't have her inhaler, we had runners who would go to the bag, you know, go to her backpack and grab it for us. We had we had literal kids on each side with two different inhalers, sodas and waters ready to go, like super supportive team. And it's been, you know, such a good strategy for that type of, uh, you know, challenge. Um, and that's been really cool. And, and the mom is super appreciative, too. I know mom and dad have thanked us both like several yeah. times for that. 
it felt so heavy at first and then it was like oh my gosh now what we can turn this around and make this like a good experience for Mm -hmm. her so that was really cool developmentally what you're helping her with right is kind of like pre-launching stuff so when we look at teenagers and young adulthood the developmental stage they're in or the parenting stage we're in is launching and what I find in uh, my own private practice and working with people is that so many of us were not launched properly I mean if you could say properly uh, successfully uh, by our parents and that's primarily because our parents weren't successfully launched Um, and what I mean by that is going from uh, the protective environment of your home with your parents and launching out into adulthood and having to take care of yourself right Um, yeah that stage for some reason is is uh, I'm finding as I work with people is a missed stage I don't know what I want to call it it's kind of like lost in space somewhere it's almost like uh, parents didn't get it and they don't know how to give it to us. And yeah. so teenagers and young adults just kind of flounder. So it's either I hyper protect you and do everything for you or you're on your own. Yeah. And that middle piece is missing. So I think what's beautiful with what you guys have done or we as a studio have done for Brooke is we've kind of done some launching, some really healthy modeling of launching. And, and what I mean by that is Uh, modeling for her how to have her backpack put together with the things that she needs in it, right? Pre-planning that, um, helping her organizing that. You have this team around her that if she forgets, instead of her feeling like I'm a big failure or there's something wrong with me, right? Um, The kids are saying, no, we love you and here's the things and it's not a big deal and here it is. And and then it, what ends up happening is after she does this over and over again and it's patterned, in, patterned into her brain, now she's doing it for herself. And I think we've seen, I think we've seen her grow and oh, yeah. kind of, you know, approach launching. And I mean, she's still a young teen, but um, yeah, I just think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. So how has the mental health mental health helped out the studio or just in general how did the parents take it or who was involved or just the general just the general of that I gotcha yeah so we have a pretty like complex dynamic at the studio with everybody so the best part about it is that we're kind of like a family right but then with a family comes some sort of dysfunction naturally we've had people who have just jumped right right in and been like, yep, sign me up. Let's do it. I trust you. Let's go for it. And then we've had, um, you know, other families who have not, I wouldn't say like question, but at times it feels like they're questioning our intentions or questioning like, do you have my child's best interest at heart? You know, do you know what you're doing? Kind of a vibe, right? And that not necessarily that they're saying that to us, but sometimes that's the general energy that comes out when they bring things up to us or certain behavior we notice certain behaviors and things mm-hmm. so I would say it's a mixed bag like sometimes it's great and then sometimes there's a lot of pushback um, and that can be that presents its own set of challenges like when we have pushback because we know right all of us know that we have every student's best interest at heart and we genuinely love them so it can be hard to like 
want to continue. It can be hard sometimes to want to keep sacrificing. Like, my mom does this for free. We don't charge for these classes. These kids are learning valuable life skills that they're going to take with them forever. Um, You know, emotional tools of how to regulate, how to communicate with individuals, how to be respectful in how they address their issues and not just lash out. Like, these are really important life skills. So sometimes, you know, it's discouraging, I would say. But in general, it's helped the studio a ton, and it's been, like, a really... It's been a really good process. Um, but two, have you guys ever had a parent say, I don't want my kid to be around this kid? Or... <laughs> yes. That's yes. a loaded that, question. That, so <laughs> that plays to the mental health. Is like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? What if yeah. a kid heard that and said, like, am I the problem? Is there something wrong with me? We or, are literally still dealing with this. So, yes. so okay, do do? for <laughs> me, like, as a studio owner, it's like... I, you know, I get to a place a lot where I'm just like, take it or leave it, whatever. You know what? I'm over it. Like, I get to that, you know, because naturally, like, I trust my mom. I trust Victoria. I know they're doing amazing work. So when we get, you know, I'll call it to be nice. I'll call it feedback, right? When we get feedback about, you know, I really don't, you know, my child doesn't feel comfortable with this person or my child doesn't like this person. They think that this dancer is competitive and rude, right? When my experience with that dancer has been nothing but sunshine and rainbows and the parents are great too. So I feel like I have to take it with a grain of salt. I have to not like, you know, I have to not take it personal, but I also have to be open to, you know, their perception of, like, possibly there may be some truth here. There may be some competitiveness going on between the kids, which I can kind of sort through, but there may be some truth to that. Uh, My mom is, like, the expert at handling these situations. Okay, so so then a question for Heather then. Um, Say, has a kid ever came up to you and say, I don't feel good enough because she's thriving and I'm not? Or has there ever been, like, a level of, like, She's higher than me. How can I get there? What do I need to do kind of thing? Like like mentally, like Mm -hmm. the competitive side. Well, our self-esteem groups are confidential. We talk about the confidentiality of that. So what they say in group stays in group. So Mm -hmm. even if they said that, I wouldn't be able to share it with you. But to kind of answer your question in a roundabout way, no. no. They don't come out and ask me, directly yeah. questions like that. We have had to navigate recently some, um, like Marley was saying, I don't like this one. I don't want to be in in group with that one. Um, and it's 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 been kind of a delicate process because I can see Marley's frustration. A studio owner, she wants to just, we're giving you these classes for free. Stop complaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be in the class we assign you to. Trust our, you know, judgment with this. Uh, we have your best interest at heart. Victoria and I are kind of a well-oiled machine. We work. Uh, Victoria runs two of the self-esteem groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, right, Victoria? Uh, three. 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 Victoria runs three, and I run three. Um, and so we will communicate back and forth uh, when there's a situation like this that comes up. Um, and decide where the kids fit best. And, and then one thing mm-hmm. I want to just interject is that like for those that they might be questioning like self-esteem groups are confidential. Does Marley get to know what's going on? The answer is no. 
they don't tell me what the kids say ever unless it's something that's extremely serious that I need to be in, in the know about. Um, and occasionally, if there's, like, you know, s- some, like, you know, sort of uh, jarring, like, between people, if it's not, you know, cohesive, hey, we noticed this dynamic here, be aware of that. I'm, you know, just as much out of the loop, I guess, as the parents are. The only difference is is that I fully trust everything they do. I know that whatever you guys are doing in these groups, right, what you're doing in these groups is helping them. I know why a little, not a situation, but this happened just recently. Well, when I first started, the girls didn't know me at the studio, so they were just, like, warming up to me. And now I feel like they're fully comfortable with me, mm-hmm. and they I feel like they love me and they like me, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel the love there. Um, recently, I was in the room with them in the self-esteem room, and we were playing with the sand. Mm-hmm. And right after, it was, like, my little break. It was their break, and then self-esteem was going to start. And... I remember I was stepping out, and they they questioned, like, oh, you're not going to stay in here with us? Like, Aww, yeah, so they was like, okay, yeah. I felt involved. Like, they're, Aww. like, okay with me knowing, you know, yeah. so yeah. I felt the love there. And that's okay. so cute. Yeah, that is sweet. Yeah. I think that's one thing we didn't, I'm sorry, Victoria. Oh, I was just to say, I think that's, like, a struggle, too, with that I noticed with the parents is they want to know everything. Yeah. Oh, and I so bet. when they're not really I guess allowed that's not the right term but when they don't know about what's happening in the self-esteem and so there's this kind of um disconnect with their child I feel like they kind of get a little bit more intense with like say Marley or me or even Heather (laughs) about like well let me just be black and white about this they don't even like it when I put curtains up they're like why can't we watch the class and talk to me like (laughs) that I'm like because you guys are distracting yes I recently had a mom um when self-esteem group was over come up to me after (laughs) and she says I see Sally is really emotional. She was crying when she came out of self-esteem group. Um, she must have been sharing. Or she must have been feeling or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm used to parents asking me uh, questions. Yeah. Sure. I work, two, two-thirds of my practice is children. So I get that a lot. They know that these are confidential when they sign up. They sign consent forms. They sign a confidentiality consent form that says everything that we talk about stays in here unless, you know, the three times that we have to report is if they're a danger to themselves or others, if they're being harmed in the home, uh, you know, they have marks on them, bruises on them, somebody's abusing them in the home, um, and if the records are subpoenaed by court, which <laughs> I've never had that happen, knock on wood, but... Um, yeah, so they know that going in, that I'm not going to share if a student is emotional and crying. That's not a reportable issue. So yeah. I'm not going to share that with them unless I feel like it's something that the parent really needs to know because the child's not safe. So with this parent, how I handled that was I said, yes, she was. she's trusting and she's sharing. She was emotional. Well, and that's all I said. Yeah. That's all I said. And it was enough that she knew she couldn't push me further. This is... One that I think sometimes we have, we have to help her with her boundaries, yeah. this particular parent. Um, and she responded to it really well. And and I think she yeah. does trust the process. She does trust me uh, enough that um, she kind of smiled. And, and she did say, I'm glad. 
So that was really refreshing. That's good. Yeah. Have you guys ever had a parent say, like, no, I don't want my kid in self-esteem? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we've had several. And here's the sad part about that is that we don't make it mandatory. We encourage them because 9 out of 10 of them are in that group, you know? I mean, most of the, the comp team is. And so those kids are bonding, right? And they're sharing and they're connecting and their dances look great because they understand, hey, so-and-so's had a hard day today. I'm going to encourage her through this comp rehearsal. And that's what this creates, right, is that connection that in the studio, right? So then we have these kids that don't want to be involved. And let's say it's the kid's choice. I don't want to do that, right? We respect that, but it's just sad because they miss out on that connection piece um, because they're not necessarily open to it. And oftentimes it's it feels... You know, from my perspective, like, I'm obviously protective over my mom and Victoria. I love you guys. You know, so whenever somebody's like, you know, we don't want to do that. It it feels probably more pokey than, than it needs to be. But at the same time, it also feels like a judgment of, like, my kid's healthy, so we don't need to do that. Right? <laughs> yes. That's the energy that comes across. And that's the energy I've gotten from the people that have said this season we're good. We don't want to do it, right? And now their kids, you can see there's a disconnect. So that that is a that's a positive and a negative for our studio is that yes, it brings the team closer. On the flip side, those that don't want to participate, they you know they miss out. It's it's uh, I don't know any other way to put it. That's you know I mean really that's all it is, and yeah. it's not that big of a deal. But you do we do notice it. They're just really connected to one another, so they you know. The energy of the rehearsals is, is, I would say, nine times out of ten is so good. It's a positive, you know, it's a positive environment built on trust and love. And so I can say, you know, I know, you know, because I'm aware of the themes we're working on right now. One of the things is like emotional congruence, right? Like saying that I'm good, but really being good. Not just saying you're good because you don't want people to question your feelings, but being okay with saying, like, yeah, I had a hard day today. And people are like, oh, okay. You know, and that could be where it ends, but I think a lot of times there's this, like, resistance to, like, it's okay. There's this resistance to, like, share because we can't be sad. We can't, we can't you know, be upset. Like, that's not okay. And I think a lot of that is just societal pressure, but also, like, Parents are, they want their kids to be happy. So if something is wrong and they notice their kids upset, it's like it creates this need for these kids to say, like, I'm good, right? And you always say, Mom, like, um, fine isn't a feeling. Good right. isn't a feeling. It's a judgment. It's a qualifier, right? Right, right, right. So they're learning kind of, like... They catch themselves now. They'll absolutely. say, I'm good. I mean, no, that's a qualifier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You're judging your feelings. You know, one of the things that I think we really need to add this season is, like Marley and I have talked about, and Victoria, I think we've talked about it too, a parent, some sort of a parent support. Yeah. Um, you know, like we're talking about maybe doing once a month parent informational psychoeducation um, type sessions, I don't know, yeah. something where we do like a class to help them uh, understand what's going on with their child to kind of um, mitigate or negate or whatever that whatever you would call that, to, to try to help them um, understand what we're doing in self-esteem and why it's helpful. One of the things we're doing in our groups, we do every single group, uh, Victoria can attest to this, mm -hmm. is we do 
a mind body spirit check in. We do how are you feeling? Uh, how are you feeling physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, spiritually? Um, and what's beautiful about that is it causes you to kind of check in and tune in with yourself. And the more recent brain studies have shown that when you attune to yourself, it helps increase the right interior cingulate in the brain. I just learned this from Dr. Dan Siegel in the play therapy uh, summit that they had. It's fascinating. It actually increases the capacity in your right interior cingulate, which um, is where empathy is is stored or lives, basically, your ability to empathize with others. So we've been doing this now for two years, and we're seeing students that, you know, there's no way to tell if it's a direct correlation, but it's kind of cool that we're now seeing students that you're reporting in class, Marley, are saying they're attuned to, they're aware of, they're noticing when kids are anxious, Mm -hmm. they're noticing when a child needs something, Mm -hmm. they attend to it, they attune to it, which is absolutely beautiful. Thank you for sharing so much. This has been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, it was good to touch just in general of the mental health because not a lot of studios have this or really any studios have the self-esteem groups at their studios and two it's just helpful for parents students just in in general everyone that's part of the dance community just to know how important it is to have at your studio and what these kids actually go through on Mm -hmm. a daily like absolutely so good work everyone thanks um so we'll be back next week and we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of competition. So, Ooh, yeah. That'll be an interesting one. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Alrighty.